All right, it's time for social media question of the day. Hello, everybody. Uh, he is asking me a question. I have to answer it, but it's a question for you as well. All right, so I just posted uh, one of our social posts for the day on Instagram and Facebook. What's a familiar Bible verse you return to in times when you need it the most? So I thought that would be a fun question to ask you. That I need it the most. What is a familiar Bible quote that I return to when I need it most? Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of quotes. I suspect I could give about 20 different answers. The Lord is my shepherd, of course. Those Psalm are good 23. Ones. But the one I'm going to come up with is the very last line of Matthew's gospel. Yeah. Chapter 28. Yeah. Verse 20. The very last line. And it is? It, with the ascension, Jesus says, and behold, I'm with you always until the end of the age. Kind of cool. Forever. Right? And ever. Hallelujah. Forever and ever. Handel said it best. <laughs> yes. But what what about for you? Hebrews. Who? Hebrews? Yeah, you're, making, at, you're making coffee. Found at Starbucks. He, yeah, Hebrews. Uh, chapter 12, verse 2. Well, it comes as verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, oh, yes. let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us, then verse 2, while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and perfecter of faith. So it's the cloud of witnesses, and witness, of course, is the same word as martyrs, but sure. it's basically we're surrounded by holy people, saints, yes. if you will. Oh, so beautiful. And that, but keep your eye fixed on the Lord. You know what I think of really in that image, if you've been to Rosary Cathedral before, I know you have. Yes. In the, in the sanctuary, in the, the, there's a special name for it. I can't think of the it. Apse. The apse. Yeah. The painting that's in the apse there of the, you know, the communion of saints. Then of course the Trinity right at the center. Yeah. Uh, well, of, of course with the blessed by, Virgin By the Mary way, folks well. out there. You can't see Michael's hands, but they're he's moving. Descri- he's describing the. I'm the, in the cathedral. The, the, all the saints and the Trinity. And Mary, obviously, Mary is a big part of that in our cathedral, I believe. Because my, that's the, the title of her the cathedral. It's right, Mary, Mother of the Most Holy Rosary. Hey, everyone! Welcome to the Twenty Three Podcast. The one who's uh, asking the question is Michael. That's me. I uh, play the music. Not well. I do actually play it on the podcast too. Somebody's got to hit play. Oh, yeah, but that's yeah. a different kind of playing. Okay, you push the button. And this is Father Herb. I'm uh, glad to be with all of you. And thank you to the dozens of people last Sunday. Dozens, wow. Dozens. Like donuts. Dozens of donuts. No, dozens of people who ask how my tooth was. Oh. <laughs> and my tooth is good. One, you pers- know, one person asked if I put it under my pillow, and I, I didn't get it. They, she took the tooth out yeah. at, at the the oral surgeon, took it out, yeah. and they, I was still kind of lie, lying back. And then when she and the nurse or whoever it was, the assistant, left the, the room, I looked over on the tray to see what it looked like, and it was not there anymore. The tooth fairy had already come. So they, they took it. Maybe they put it under their pillow for yeah. <laughs> the tooth fairy. I don't know. But I, I didn't even get to see the tooth. But thank you for asking. I'm healing well. I'm not half as grouchy as I was a week ago. Yeah. So, You're not, you, you, you there's say no, so. There's no good answer for that one, you, Michael. You say so. Hey, um, speaking of under pillows, this is off topic, but it's a really cute story I have to share with you. Uh, I shared the story about Audrey and the snail last week. Yes, people so, love the question about the snail. All right, so at our house, we just um, transitioned the girls getting into their own rooms because we're doing some renovations, as I've talked about. 
And uh, at the beginning of the school year, uh, Audrey's teacher, she's in the first grade, first grade teacher gave like this little bag of, it's not glitter. It's like sequins and charms and things. It's like in a little netted bag. And it had a cute little saying about put this under your pillow before the first day of school. So it'll help you get a good night's rest and you won't be too, you know, you won't be too excited or too scared. You'll to stay up all night kind of a deal. And it was cute. And I thought that was great. And then we um, got Audrey settled into her own room on Sunday. And on Monday, when I went to go move her pillow, she had already put that little bag of sequins under her pillow again. She still had it. And I had no idea. It was the cutest thing. That's great. She's counting on it. Yeah. Hey, um, speaking of surprises of things that we find. Oh, you're going to tell that story. Uh, shame on us. Well, really, shame on Michael. This is a public confession. Yes. Father, forgive me for I have greatly sinned. About two years ago. No. It, yeah, about two years ago. Let me, I'm giving the backstory. Oh. About two <laughs> years ago, in preparation for the new church, yeah. we found a tabernacle online. That Tabernacles.com. Actually, it was something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Tabernacles, Tabernacles are us. Yes. But I found it. I really liked it. So when the time came for ordering, we went through a legit church supply store. Sure. And here they had the same one available, but these things are not just sitting on a shelf. They no. build them according to uh, your needs. Sure. Okay, so we had to order it, and there's a lot of lead time, and it came in about two or three months before last October's dedication of the church. And, and it was I, in a wooden crate. It was very well sure. handled. And full disclosure, as I'm sure you can probably imagine, a tabernacle, especially the size of the one that we have, is not necessarily a cheap item it was one of the more yeah we wanted one that was pretty simple it didn't was not super ornate but we we needed good size right and and uh, very uh, pleasant to look at sure so we opened it to make sure it was there it was the because <laughs> packages have arrived before that we don't open that's another story for another podcast um so anyway so tabernacle arrived it was in the box so Finally, the time came to get the tabernacle out of the box and put it into the new church. Once And the plinth on which it stands was in place. Uh-huh. And it's bolted to, like it's, it's, it's fixed. It's bolted to the granite stand, the plinth. So it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. And then you went back to the box. And I pulled out two envelopes labeled key number one. And key, key number two. two. So I pulled out key number one, and I gave it to Father Herb, and that is the key that we have been using for the last year. And I will fully admit that I have publicly shamed this key. I have put this key down publicly. It actually looks like a key to a cheap car <laughs> built in the year 2002. Yeah, it's got like a very ugly black plastic apparatus to it, and then you, but, you would think it would just open a very... It, it, a very ordinary door. Not, and, and the key itself is sturdy, but there's sure. nothing ornate about it with this beautiful, beautiful tabernacle. And think about it, The key is literally opening the very presence of God in our midst. Well, you're, get, you're getting pretty heavy. It's okay. true, though. Well, yes, but God is already in our midst. So, so this is the Eucharistic presence. Yes. Sure. So, so this weekend, the tabernacle key and lock mechanism got a little stuck. At, so, the, at the end of 5.30 Mass. So we had to have a, um, a locksmith come out to repair it. It's been fixed. It's wonderful. However, yesterday, prior to locksmith coming out, I said to Father, I wonder if the other key would possibly open it, because this key is not. I've got key number two still in the envelope, sitting in my desk since last summer when we took out key number one. 
So yesterday I opened up key number two. It was wrapped beautifully in tissue paper. And my friends, it was the most beautiful, ornate key I've ever seen in my entire life. That should have been the first key we it should have been. It should have been key number one. Yes. The other one was just the fallback in they, case something happened. They were very misleadingly labeled. Okay, so just a few minutes ago when the locksmith finished repairing, and it took him a total of seven or eight minutes, Yeah. it really was not hard for him to fix the problem. Yeah. He's, I said, well, I didn't really push hard to try to open it because I didn't want to break this key. And he had the, the, the beautiful key, and he said, Oh, you don't want to break a key like that because that's the hard to come by. Is that what he said? Yes. Oh, I didn't hear that part of the story. So the moral of the story is when oh, ordering open packages. When ordering a tabernacle, open both keys to see which one is more beautifully okay. crafted. But here's the good news too. What? Even the ones that don't shine, that Aww. don't get your attention, still can open the door to the Lord. Wow. That is that that's my homily. Let's stop the I podcast have, there. I'm not sure when. One that, of these one of these Sundays we'll find that fits. That was actually very beautifully said. Did you just make that up? Yeah. I'm proud of you. That, well, that that's the way my brain works. It always <laughs> is always about application. Speaking of which, we're going to apply ourselves yeah. to this coming gospel because this is among the more challenging ones you're ever going to read. <laughs> Can't wait. Yes, I'm going to do the story, and then you're going to do the part after the story. Which version are we doing? The We're doing the full version. Okay. Because the full, the short version is just after the story. Don't I love, worry, I folks. I love reading the story. It's not a super long one. Even well, the long version is not long. Well, even if it seems long to you this weekend, you can stare at the beautiful key sitting in the tabernacle. They can't see it unless they're right up front. <laughs> okay, this is Luke's Gospel. We continue Luke's Gospel, but now we're at chapter... 16 verses. Oh, we should have a cake. Sweet 16. Sweet 16. Chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. Jesus said to his disciples, A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. The rich man summoned the steward and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship, because you can no longer be my steward. And the steward said to himself, what shall I do now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, One hundred measures of olive oil. He said to him, Here's your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for fifty. Then to another the steward said, And you, how much do you owe? He replied, One hundred cores of wheat. The steward said to him, Here's your promissory note. Write one for eighty. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones, and the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If, therefore, you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, 
who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Okay, so we have two totally separate parts of this gospel, although that second part is based on the first part, on the parable. Sure. And both of them are challenging. The first one in the parable is that whole thing about why did the master praise the steward who had already been cheating on him for now cheating even more by lessening the promissory note? That's the first one. Then the second part, when we get to this whole little teaching that Jesus does, yeah. and it's very complicated, but get down to the last line. You cannot serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other, or be devoted one, despise the other. And that very last line, you know, you ask at the beginning, what is a, question, uh, a scripture passage you go to mm-hmm. uh, when you need it? Mm-hmm. This might be one of those scripture passages that you should remember. Yeah. Whether you need it or not. <laughs> well, be- because you the, think la- you need it the last not. line is you cannot serve both God and mammon. An incredible, beautiful, powerful insight in what happens in our hearts. I think a lot of people's hearts are for God. A lot of people really have reverence for the Lord. They they can, whether it's looking up at the sky and just feeling the God of creation yeah. who has created us or sitting in front of the tabernacle and not worrying about the key, but just looking, <laughs> thinking about the presence of the Lord in their life. Sure. I think people, they want to give their hearts completely to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then later in the day, they're so taken by, taken by stuff. Yeah. Or uh, maybe they get envious because somebody else has something they don't have. Or we, we start conniving or, you know, worrying about how am I going to, pay the bills. And even if you don't have a whole lot of money, money can still captivate your mind. Yeah. So you cannot serve both God and mammon. And so you really have to figure out, we live in a material world. We've talked about this before. We live in two worlds, the spiritual and the material. You can't completely disavow it unless you're a St. Francis of Assisi and give away absolutely everything you have. But that's not most of us, especially when people have homes and children and lots of responsibilities. Sure. So how do you remain faithful to God? So that's the, the real heart of this gospel reading. Yeah. But now, are you ready to go back to the story? I think so. Okay. <laughs> now, how do you define steward? It was an unjust steward, but what is a steward? What makes a steward a good steward? Somebody that is responsible with um, the resources of another person? Bingo, yes. No, we're not going to play bingo, but precisely it. <laughs> this is it's, a Catholic church. It's the responsibility of taking care of resources of someone else. Yeah. So a steward cannot claim it as his own. Mm-hmm. How many times have people done that? We're responsible for something and suddenly we claim it as our own. And so we don't know what the original problem was when the master said, I'm going to get rid of you because it's, it simply says uh, the steward was reported of squandering his property. That's a strong word. Yeah, so probably what he was doing, it was he was treating it like himself, either not taking care of it 
or somehow selling it off for his own profit or something along that line. You know, I, as I was thinking of that, I was almost reading into that. It's like, well, what's his identity? Who is his identity in? Because he asked that question, what shall I do now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? Almost like my whole identity has been in this. Now who am I? Well, I think a lot of people feel when they lose a job, uh, have I lost my identity? Sure. You know, the the person who feels like it's my job to provide for the family and I can't do it right now. Yeah. I remember especially um, my mom and dad used to tell stories about the Great Depression. Hmm. They were married in 1929, and of course the stock market crash was the fall of 29. Yeah. And by the time it really hit many people in the 32, 33, 1932, 33, 34, uh, by then my parents had a couple of children. So it, when it hit them, you know, being a rural community, they didn't feel it right away. Yeah. And they always had family to support them and they could grow vegetables and have some chickens and cows. So, you know, they did not go hungry, but they were homeless. They did not have a home. Really? They could, they could not rent a house. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, my great grandmother, who still owned a house, was no longer live, able to live alone anymore. Mm-hmm. So she moved in with her daughter and the house was empty. So mom and dad moved into that house and eventually bought it from the estate and that became the, the home in which I, I grew up. But that whole thing about uh, mom would say, dad felt so responsible for taking care of the family, but he couldn't get, you know, he'd go out to work every day, go out to look for work every day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he'd come home and show mom what he had earned. Remember, this is the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And he might open his hand and show a quarter, 25 cents. Mm. That was a day's work that he might have found some work that day. Wow. Uh, but, you know, he felt so responsible. She was at home, you know, probably taking care of all the other things, making sure there was food. Yeah. You know, she was a very organized person. She was taking care of little kids. She had a lot of other responsibilities. So it wasn't like he was uh, saying, well, why don't you do something? She was doing Sure. But it was not money producing. Sure. So it was up to him. But for many people, their identity is based on their work, their employment, and their income. Yeah. So so when he says, what, I can, what can I do? I'm not a steward anymore. Well, you weren't a very good steward to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Hate to break it to you. Yeah. Right. Bad news for you. So so he goes from bad to worse. Yeah. So he, he cheats even more. And then this is the part of the the, the story that people don't get. This is why I said it's so hard. Because in the end, the master praises him. Right. And I don't get that. Why does the master praise him? He praises him because he plans ahead. Because he did something. He did something to take, you know, he, he says, okay, you're losing your job. You can't beg. You can't dig. So what you did was you said, I'm going to make sure I have a future because I'm ingratiating myself with other people, they will take me in. Not that that was good, because that's that's illegal as well, sure. but what he did was he planned ahead, and the master praised him for planning ahead. And then the next line is so important, because it says, now we need to, as children of the light, we need to take this methodology, this thought of the man of darkness, mm-hmm. and apply it to what matters. So we have to be able to live planning for our future. We have to think of, um, you know, where are we going and are we preparing ourselves? Sure. 
you know, is our life really in preparation for, for when things change? You said to me yesterday, I hope this is okay for me to share. Um, at the end of Mass at St. Clair Commons, you had mentioned to me that one of the residents was dying. Yes. And that you were going to go spend some time with her in her room. And as I walked out, I thought, this is it. This is the, that's the moment, you know, we always talk about the kingdom of God is here and now, but everything that we do on this side of it is preparing for that passage into the next side of it. And I I don't know if she has passed yet or not, but what I found out about the woman, I only knew her from St. Clair, beautiful lady, always friendly, always talked to me when I come in before mass. Mm Mm-hmm just shy of 99 years old. Oh, wow. Her birthday's next week. Wow. Uh, apparently, she spent her whole life in ministry to other people. Uh, I talked to somebody who was in her parish 40 years ago, and she was the one who visited the elderly in those days. Mm. So, you know, certainly, she was surrounded by family when I did go visit her, and I, I don't know if she was conscious or not, but I s- always assume people can hear. Mm-hmm. And so I do two things. I, I tell them that I want to ask them to walk with the Lord the final few steps because I think dying is simply the last part of living. Mm-hmm. So you, if you've walked with the Lord, you want to keep walking with the Lord. And then I, I told her thanks. I, I l- wanted to thank her for her friendship, yeah. her kindness, and just that you know she was willing to acknowledge even in later years of her life that other people had been part of the picture for her. She did not get there alone, that she helped us, but but other people helped her. Yeah, that's great. Um, I w- it made me think too, we're, we're singing a new song this weekend. Uh, you guys should look it up. It's called Another in the Fire by Hillsong. And the whole idea is that throughout life and the ups and the downs, you talk about that walking with the Lord, that he's always next to us. It's not like we we do this thing alone but that jesus is next to us in every moment through life leading up to death and then into the next side so check out that song we're going to be singing it this weekend it's called another in the fire and let that be your key for the week i got nothing else (laughs) okay god bless